This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcasts to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. You can go there and get my podcast, the Exposing Washington podcast at AFR.net. You can also download the American Family Radio app on your smartphone device or your tablet. Just type in AFR or American Family Radio in the app store and you'll be able to get that. Lastly, you can um, catch my podcast on uh, your your podcast store, whatever kind of device you use, whether it be Apple or Android. You can go to your podcast store and uh, for free subscribe to my podcast, and there you'll have it right on your device. So various ways to listen to American Family Radio and Exposing Washington. Jumping right in to, uh, well, right before I get into the news, I wanted to mention one other thing. American Family Radio partners with Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child each year about this time of year. And we just got done encouraging you to, to pack a shoebox. Uh, many of you are familiar with the Operation Christmas Child project that's been going on for many years now, where you pack a shoebox uh, to send to people in need, children in need across the world, and including that many people include a Bible and other things for the children. Well, beyond the shoebox is something called The Greatest Journey, and The Greatest Journey is a 12-week discipleship program that is hosted by Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. So I say all that to say go to AFR.net, go to our website, and you can actually donate to The Greatest Journey. Donate to help sponsor a child or many children uh, for The Greatest Journey. So go to AFR.net and you can read a little bit more about that and 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 contribute to sponsor and underwrite The Greatest Journey. It's a great discipleship program that follows the child after the shoebox is delivered. So very good program there. Jumping right into the news of the week, we had um, nothing short of a busy... Newsweek, and, you know, many in the media are trying to move on and say that, you know, this election is over, Joe Biden is the president-elect, it's time to move on, it's time to forget about what happened on November 3rd, but I'll tell you what, the evidence is is screaming otherwise. The evidence is so clear, so overwhelming, that this election was an absolute train wreck and it's far from over. And I say all that to to say that not only is this election not over, 
But there is no reason also to to panic about what's going on in our country. And when I say panic, I'm talking about there's no reason to panic that we don't have a clear winner of the presidential race. Because when it comes to what the Constitution says and what the law is, the earliest date that really matters is December 14th. It is December 14th, that is the day in which the Electoral College members cast their votes. And the Electoral College, that that is who determines who the president-elect will be and who the eventual president will be. So you have December 14th, which we're under two weeks away now, and then you have January 6th, that is when Congress certifies the Electoral College vote. And then, of course, you have the inauguration on January 20th. But what we're seeing now, the litigation taking place, is not abnormal, it's not unusual, and there's no reason to panic about it. This is... The process taking place now is the legal process which our founding fathers laid out on how elections, how federal elections should run. Now, as I've said, the, the, the window is closing for the Trump campaign to turn this around. I think, to me, there's two paths to victory left for President Trump, and I'm talking broadly here. I'm not talking a state-by-state breakdown. I'm talking broadly. There's two paths to victory remaining. The first path could be one at the Supreme Court within the next probably 10 to 12 days. Personally, I think the Supreme Court will hear a case related to the election within the next two weeks before December 14th, before the Electoral College cast their votes. That lawsuit has the potential to chip away at the a lead that Joe Biden has against President Trump. The second path to victory, or the potential path to victory, would be through the state legislatures. And the path to victory there is, or the potential path to victory, rather, is that state legislators in various states where there's widespread election fraud and irregularities, what could happen there is that the state legislature says that this election was so tainted, such a train wreck, so disastrous, so fraudulent, that we are going to have to pick our own electors to send to the Electoral College.
So to me, those are the two paths remaining for President Trump to to win this, to pull this one out. And do I believe that there was election fraud? Absolutely. It's 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 been shown by affidavit after affidavit that there was election fraud and in certain circumstances pretty widespread. The uh, one one th- piece of information that just came out this past week is a USPS driver, actually a subcontractor of the Postal Service, that testified this week at a press conference, or he 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 explained his his testimony or his experience. Delivering these ballots for the Postal Service from New York State to Pennsylvania in a in, in a tractor trailer and this bizarre experience that he had and the, the tractor trailer actually ended up going missing. It had an estimated one hundred and eighty to two hundred and forty thousand ballots in uh, this tractor trailer, and he gets pushed around Pennsylvania by the Postal Service and ends up having to drop his trailer in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Well, he comes back the next day to pick it up, and the and the tractor trailer's missing with these 200-plus thousand ballots in the back of it. And these ballots were already filled out, by the way. And so nobody knows where that tractor trailer went. It's more like an 18-wheeler trailer, but a lot of people call it a tractor trailer. But it had hundreds of thousands of ballots, and that that trailer is is gone. Nobody knows where it is, where it went, where the ballots are. That's that's one of of dozens of of examples of of major issues with the election. Then you jump over to Wisconsin, and President Trump. Uh, and his campaign has filed a lawsuit in Wisconsin alleging abuse that that affects approximately 220,000 ballots in Wisconsin. And so there's there's case after case after case that can be discussed and brought up about the issues going on with this election. And really, when when you look at it, this is not, I said this last week, this fight over election integrity is not a new fight. This has been going on. Conservatives have been raising red flags and alarms over this, this type activity for years but it's been widely ignored, and the media calls it conspiracy theories, and they discount it, and they don't want to talk about it. But President Trump actually put together a task force back in 2017 when he first got in office that was set out to look at vulnerabilities in our voting systems. 
and vulnerabilities in, in the process of how each state carries out their election. But that task force ended up having to be shut down. Why? Because various governors across the country would not cooperate with the task force. And what the task force did find out is that state after state after state had hundreds of thousands of people of dead people on their ba- on their their ballot rolls on their registration rolls we have a system an election system in many states that was ripe for fraud and corruption and for anyone to say otherwise is denying the facts and, and the reality that we're looking at now. Moving on to a few other stories, uh, you know, President, uh, Vice, former Vice President Joe Biden is, is naming these various individuals who he says is going to serve on his presumed administration in the coming months when he's inaugurated, if he's inaugurated in January. And the the names and the people and the ideologies that are making their way onto the, the future potential Biden administration is scary and terrible for the country. And before I get into a few of these examples, you know, anybody who I, I just let me just warn you not to underestimate the power of the administrative state, not to underestimate the power that a president carries and welds. Yes, we have the Tenth Amendment. Yes, we have states' rights. Conservatives could hold the Senate. We'll have to see how Georgia goes. But the damage to our country that can be done through the administrative state, through the bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., the damage that can be done should not be underestimated. I want to play clip one. This is Senator Josh Hawley on the Ingram Angle on Fox News talking about how uh, how Joe Biden's future administration is, a, is an America last administration. Clip one, let's listen. These people now that Biden is putting out that he wants, uh, should he actually be sworn in as president, are unbelievable. Tony Blinken, you mentioned him. Here's a guy who hasn't met a war that he doesn't love. He thinks that we should be in Syria even bigger than we have been. He thinks we should have stayed longer. He thinks we should be doing nation building in Iraq, Afghanistan. We should never leave. I mean, this is the kind of war forever, America last policy that voters have rejected again and again. Yeah, so their Senator Hawley is is citing specifically one of the the uh, the nominees or the potential nominees that that Joe Biden has put forth for his um, for his administration in the future. And look, we saw with James Mattis, the former Defense Secretary under President Trump, he wrote an op-ed a few weeks ago talking about how America's foreign policy should no longer be America first. We should remove the words America first from our foreign policy. And this, this is how people in the administrative state, in the 
bureaucratic agencies in Washington, D.C., the forever politicians, the lifelong politicians, the career politicians, the swamp. This is how they think. They're globalist. They're America last. They have no deep allegiance to our country. Patriotism is a thing of the past. And they're just using America to reach their globalist goal. And that's why you hear Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau out of Canada talking about the Great Reset. That's what they're calling it. And what they're talking about is using COVID, using the coronavirus to do things that they've never been able to get away with in the past. They're calling it a Great Reset. Basically, a Great Reset going back to the Obama administration, wiping out everything that President Trump has done and starting back on their globalist agenda, on their globalist crusade. And so we'll see more of that coming out of the uh, the potential Biden administration upcoming. I want to play clip two. This is another example. This is Jake Sullivan, who's actually uh, uh, Joe Biden has actually named him to be his national security advisor. Should uh, should Biden get in the White House? I want you to hear Jake Sullivan. He was at a conference a few years ago, and he's talking about how America should help China in their economic rise. Clip two. Let's listen. So I think that the Europeans do have to think very hard about uh, taking a larger role in a project that the United States has been engaged in for some time, which is doing everything we can to both facilitate and encourage China's economic rise and to support it because a thriving China is good for Europe, it's good for the United States, it's good for Asia. Well, there you have it, Jake Sullivan, who could be in the Biden administration in the coming months talking about how America should aid and should assist in the rise of China on the economic stage. And as much as I would like to say that Jake Sullivan is naive when it comes to foreign policy and just doesn't know the danger of China, that would be severely underestimating his ability to analyze foreign policy. It, I, I honestly believe it is not that these people, these globalists, do not understand the threat of China and people like China. It's that they just don't care. They just don't care about the dangers of China enough to do anything about it. Instead, they think we should cozy up to China, just like they thought under Obama, we should cozy up to the terrorist state of Iran. And we saw where that got us. It got us nowhere. Iran is still developing nuclear bombs, and we sent them billions of dollars in cash. The thing that makes America special, that makes America unique, is that not only do we have a constitution, 
Not only do we have the rule of law and do we respect individual liberty and religious liberty and economic freedom and so on and so forth, the list goes on about the things that make America special and unique and great. But people like Joe Biden and the people that he's going to put in his administration should he become president, they hate everything that makes America different and special and that makes America stand out on the world stage. And so we're going to have to continue keeping an eye on this, continue fighting, and to coin the word that the Democrats created, that they started back in 2016 when it comes to President Trump, the one word that conservatives are going to have to learn is resist. Resist the secular, godless, America-last policies of people like Jake Sullivan and others who could serve in a potential Biden administration. Moving on to uh, the coronavirus, you know, I mentioned how the globalists are wanting to, to use this for a great reset. Well, local, local officials and mayors and governors across the country are already using it for their own great reset. Their great reset where individual freedom, individual liberty, and the Constitution are shredded and thrown in the trash. One example is this absurd. We're going to go out of the beltway a little bit and fly over to California. Los Angeles put out a their city council banned outdoor dining. So not only can you not eat indoors because of COVID, but now you can't even eat outside. So I'm going to play clip three here. This is a special report on the city council banning outdoor dining in Los Angeles. Clip three, let's listen. On November 22nd, Los Angeles became the only county in America to ban outdoor dining this winter for a minimum of three weeks. This order could put out of business many California restaurants that were barely hanging on, some of which recently invested in retrofitting for exclusively outdoor dining. The worst part, according to critics, is that the public health agency issuing the order has provided no concrete evidence that outdoor dining is a significant source of COVID spread. I personally feel like we're being punished. Kat Turner is a chef and partner at Highly Likely Cafe in the West Adams neighborhood of Los Angeles. The data to support that COVID is being spread through outdoor dining, I think it's extremely flimsy. I just don't understand the agenda that's being pushed. Well, there you have it. That's a report of what's going on in L.A. out in California. And, you know, this, this is striking people of all political spectrums and all across the political spectrum and across all ideologies and and ways of life. You know, this is hitting everyone. And when I talk about this, I'm talking about these draconian measures that various mayors and governors are implementing across the country where they're shutting down churches, they're shutting down small businesses, they're shutting down schools with no 
scientific evidence to prove or justify their actions. And I would go as far to say it doesn't really matter if you can scientifically prove that your draconian measures are working or not because there's this thing called the Constitution. And I would argue that you cannot keep locking, closing down private businesses over an upper respiratory illness. It's absolutely absurd. And this is what happens when you have political leaders who don't respect individual liberty. They take it upon themselves to implement draconian measures in the name of public health. The policy for this entire situation should be relatively simple. And you are seeing a few governors take this policy, specifically Christy Noem out in South Dakota and Rhonda Sentez down in Florida. Those two are doing an excellent job maintaining the Constitution while also trying to protect public health. And the policy should be simple, and I'm not the one saying this. Experts and other scientists and doctors have said the exact same thing. They said that that many people have been saying that there are just a couple things you can do when it comes to the coronavirus that can make a difference. You target policies to protect the vulnerable, people with pre-existing conditions, people who are elderly, Anyone who is considered high risk when it comes to passing away or dying from coronavirus have policies that target those individuals to protect them and let all others, others who are healthy, continue their normal lives. People who are at extremely low risk of having complications when it comes to coronavirus Let them continue living their life. Allow businesses to stay open. Allow churches to stay open because that's what the Constitution says. Allow children to go to school. Leave everything open. Literally leave everything open. And if people are so concerned about coronavirus that they don't want to go out, they don't want to go out and have dinner, they don't want to go to church, well, that's up to them. That's called individual responsibility, letting the individual decide the risk that they want to take. But top-down mandates that have no basis in the law are completely unnecessary and they're damaging our country. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net, or you can download our app, type in AFR in your app store. It's free. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, we'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.